please finish exiting and boarding. The doors are closing. Automated greeting on the Prague Metro. Episode 4 of Brad the Nomad, the Prague Metro. This is Brad the Nomad, the podcast of an American's eclectic look at the history, culture, and wonders of Europe. And now, Brad the Nomad. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Brad the Nomad. On this episode, we'll be discussing the circulatory system that keeps Prague going, the metro. Technically, Prague has multiple mass transit systems, buses, commuter trains, even trams. But today, we'll be looking at the part that Americans will consider the subway. When Americans picture subways, they probably think of cities like Boston, New York, or Los Angeles. Overcrowded, overpriced, and overly filthy. But Prague's systems have managed to avoid many of those foibles, and has some characteristics that may surprise Yankee riders. In this episode, I'll tell you how the metro was built, what it's like to ride on the system, and along the way a couple of fascinating anecdotes, including a disaster that brought the system to its knees, Europe's longest escalator, and a Cold War myth that has a kernel of truth. But for now, a train is approaching the station. Let's take a trip on the metro. The Prague Metro is currently 37 miles long and consists of three lines and 57 stations spread across the city. The lines are the A, or Green Line, the B, or Yellow Line, and the C, or Red Line. All three converge on the city center, where there is a station offering transfer to the other two lines. Three stations serve as transfer points, Mustek, Museum, and Florence. Just be wary about how you use them. One wrong entrance, and you'll find yourself anywhere from 5 to 10 minutes from your final destination. For example, one entrance at Mustek puts me less than a minute's walking distance from work. Another at the same station lets me out three blocks away. And at that same station, I admit, if I come in the wrong entrance, I can still walk in circles trying to find my way into the system. All three lines are part of the Prague Public Transit Company which runs all features of mass transit in the city, including the chairlift at Prague Zoo. In 2012, the metro clocked in 589.2 million riders, making it the fifth busiest metro system in Europe. There's no express or local service. All trains stop at the stations on their line, though their frequency is adjusted due to demand. During rush hours, the time between trains can be as little as two minutes. But I wouldn't linger too long. The metro, along with most of the rest of Prague's mass transit, shuts down at midnight, and then you're on your own until 4.30 a.m. At that point, I recommend calling AAA Taxi. Prague's metro is what's known as an open-ticket system. Unlike other systems, there are no turnstiles or gates. You just walk right in. Of course, you are expected to buy a ticket before you enter the system, and I strongly recommend it. To use the system for one ride is a mere 32 crown, or about $1.50. Different to American systems, you're buying not in terms of a trip, but in time, so that $1.50 gets you 30 minutes on the subway, buses, and or trams. But if you want to take your fate in your hands, be my guest. Be forewarned, though. 
There are Metro employees in uniform and plain clothes constantly roving the system, and they will request to see your ticket. Be prepared for a hefty fine if you're caught. As I record this in mid-September 2014, I myself have been stopped three times, seen the inspectors at least five other times, and got through unchecked once because they were nailing someone. But rest assured, loyal listeners, I had paid for my ticket at all times. However, I'm sure you're all much more honest than that. Why don't we go ahead and take a trip on the Metro? Uh, Most stations have the general layout I'm going to describe. You descend from the surface via stairs into a general lobby area, where there are ticket machines and booths. The upper levels usually host small cafes and stores. Some of the larger ones, especially in the city center, have public restrooms. That will charge you to use them. There are also tickets available for various intervals, including an all-day pass, an all-week pass, and my preferred choice, an all-month pass. This ticket is good for all of Prague's mass transit, so if you're going to, say, jump on a bus or a tram after the metro, you're all set. I should also point out that when I say ticket, I'm talking a little slip of paper. There's no metro card or oyster card for the Prague metro. Uh, Once you've bought your ticket, you either dispose of it or you keep it on your person until it expires. Once you've bought your ticket, you will pause briefly to get it validated or stamped by automated machines marking the compulsory ticket zone. If it's already validated, you just walk through. Then you descend into the actual system via a long escalator. The distance depends on where in the city you are. The further from the city center, the more likely your station is relatively close to the surface. You would leave the escalator and find yourself on a single island station where the trains are going in both directions. The stations are relatively small, and many are decorated in distinct aluminum design, and each station has its own color. A countdown clock on one end tells you how long ago the last train left. But perhaps the most striking thing about the metro, especially to someone like me who's used to New York City transit, is the complete lack of a thick, moldering sludge of garbage over the tracks. They're completely clean. In fact, a lot of the things I got used to in New York, beggars, performers, rats are totally absent. But don't worry, there's still graffiti. Finally, you'll feel a massive blast of air, and the train pulls up, five cars long. Within are 30 to 40 upholstered seats and standing room for 200 more passengers. The announcement at the beginning of our episode plays, in check of course, before the doors shut. In fact, that announcement has become very special to visitors as it's some of the first and clearest check they hear visiting Prague. It has almost the same status as London's Mind the Gap and New York's Stand Clear of the Closing Doors, Please, in terms of recognition. After a moment, the train zips along, with the average time between stations being a minute or so, unless it's passing under the Voltava. Then you leave and go on your way. But just make sure you press the button on the door to let yourself out, because the doors are not automated. So that's a typical ride on the Prague Metro. Let's put our train in reverse, though, and find out how this small but efficient system came to be. The idea of Prague building an underground transit system has been floated as far back as 1898. To put that in perspective with other world cities, London's underground had been opened eight years earlier, Glasgow and Budapest had just put the finishing touches on theirs, and New York was still wrapping up plans for a line that would mostly serve Manhattan only. The brainchild of Prague's system was a businessman named Ladislav Roth. Noticing that the city was already undergoing a massive building boom that included reconstructing the sewer system, 
Rod suggested to the city fathers that they should take advantage of the opportunity and start building tunnels for a below-ground railway. They turned down the idea, and Rot died in 1906. Two decades later, another plan was floated by Vladimir List and Bohemund Balada. Their 1926 proposal for an underground transit system was the first to use the name of Metro, but it too was turned down. However, the two managed to get conversations started about the pressing need to develop an effective transit system for the growing capital of Czechoslovakia. In the 1930s, and even during the German occupation of World War II, engineers seriously considered how the massive project could be done. They concluded that there were two possibilities. One was to sink existing tram lines underground in the city center, in a system known as a metro tram. So the trams would be above ground on the outskirts of the city, and then descend underground as they approached the core. The other was to build a new system from scratch, purely below ground. In both scenarios, the routes roughly followed the A, B, and C lines we see today. However, the physical and economic brutalities of the Nazi occupation, followed by the general collapse of Europe's economies following the war, put all plans for any kind of system on hold. But the concept survived. In the 1960s, with the nation and the city's financial health improving, the plan was revisited, and initially the city fathers decided to go with the Metro Tram model. They were inspired by the success of the system in other European cities, particularly in Brussels. Work began on the first station on August 9, 1966. However, less than a year into the project, word came down from the highest levels that the design would be changed. And by the highest levels, I don't mean City Hall or even Prague Castle. I mean Moscow. Subway systems were going through a kind of vogue in Soviet and Warsaw Pact cities at the time, and the proposed Prague plans fell under the sway of Soviet planners. Further, it was decided that instead of using Czech design cars, cars would be imported from the Soviet Union for the new metro system. However, the Soviet cars were of far poorer quality than their planned Czechoslovak counterparts. Czech engineers hoped that their innovative R1 cars could be developed for sales overseas, but it only had a few test models built before the entire program was scrapped in the 1980s. Instead, the Prague Metro would be served by the Soviet E-Car, which was essentially their A-Car with slight modifications, which had first debuted in 1934. The model that would be sent to Prague was dubbed ECS, or E Czechoslovak. In spite of Soviet meddling, the first nine stations of what is now the C-Line were opened on May 9th, 1974. With the first stations completed, construction on further stations spread rapidly across the city. Four years later, in August 1978, the first seven of the A-Line were opened for business, meaning under the National Museum at the first transfer point in the system. The construction of one station, however, included an unexpected development, the remains of a medieval bridge that had been long since forgotten by the 1970s. Instead of bulldozing the relic and moving on, the engineers incorporated it into the design, where it still sits today, giving the station its name Mustek, or Little Bridge. The beginning of the A-Line also saw a rather unique footnote for the Prague Metro. The stations for the system were built one of two ways. The traditional cut-and-cover method, where the street is dug up, the line is laid and then paved over, and boring, where a large machine is used to chew through the ground to build a much deeper tunnel, and then the tracks are laid in the new tunnel. Stations in the city center were built using the boring method, and this included Namisti Miru. 
However, the station is so far underground, it needed a very long escalator to ferry passengers to and from the system. The escalator in question is almost 300 feet long, and it takes two and a half minutes to ride end-to-end if you're standing still, which is very unlikely. If you ride the Prague Metro today, you will see there are two lines. On the right are the people who just want to ride, and on the left are the people who want to walk up the escalator. I admit, I take the left side as much as I can. According to the installer of this escalator, it is not just the longest in Europe, it is also serving the deepest metro station in the European Union. Uh, The funny thing is, I've been on this escalator before, and it doesn't seem any longer than the others I've used in the system. Regardless of the A-Line's unique feature, the two lines continue to expand several stations at a time throughout the following years. In November 1985, the first stations of the B-Line opened, connecting with A and C and forming the triangle of transfer stations that holds Prague's metro together. Further expansion of the system would occur on the new B-Line, for the most part. Outside of the gradual expansion of the B-Line, though, the biggest change on the Prague metro of the 1990s was political. With the success of the Velvet Revolution in 1989 and the general fall of communism throughout Eastern Europe, 12 station names celebrating communist ideology, ranging from Moscow to the obligatory Lenin, were given more neutral names in February 1990. Still, socialist art survives in some of the stations, even if the massive Lenin bust was removed from the station that once carried his name. In fact, these pieces are now considered some of the best-preserved socialist art in the city. But the fall of the Soviet Empire allowed for something more pressing than names to come to light when it came to communism. For years, it was rumored that there were chambers built underneath the stations. These chambers were, in fact, luxury bunkers that were earmarked for high-ranking officials of the Czechoslovakian Communist Party in case of a nuclear attack. It's not hard to imagine why Proggers would believe this. They were becoming increasingly more cynical of the party with every year, As the capital of a Warsaw Pact country, Prague was more than likely the target of a few American ICBMs, and the Moscow Metro was used as a bomb shelter during World War II and reconfigured for nuclear attack during the Cold War. When the party fell from power in 1989, efforts were made to settle the rumors. Like so many other myths, there was indeed a kernel of truth to this. Some stations did include areas set aside as bunkers for the party, but they were nowhere near the scale imagined by the citizens, and nor were they particularly luxurious. In the 1990s, the old Soviet cars were gradually phased out and replaced with Czech models that were better able to navigate the inclines of Prague's topography. In June 1997, they ran for the last time, and all but four were scrapped, and they are now preserved in various museums around the region. But the greatest test of Prague's metro came not from aging technology or dead political ideologies, but Mother Nature. In August 2002, Prague was devastated by heavy flooding, and the underground tunnels took the brunt of it. Nineteen stations, over a third of the system at that point, were flooded. It would take seven months before the last of the damaged stations was repaired and put back into operation. In the meantime, Proggers relied on trams and buses as the city system slowly recovered. Overcrowding was endemic. Damage was ultimately estimated at 7 billion crown, or over 200 million dollars US. Some of the affected stations have been given small plaques marking the highest water level in the station. 
And when you consider some of these stations are several stories deep and the plaque is only a few feet below ground like at Ustek, it strikes home just how bad the flooding was. Despite the floods, the system continued to expand in spurts, with a station or two opening every two years in 2004, 2006, and finally 2008. Flooding struck the metro again in 2013, but thankfully not with the destruction seen a decade earlier. That pretty much brings us up to today, but what of the future? An 18.7 billion crown extension of the Western A-Line is scheduled to open in the near future, but the real excitement is focusing on the year 2021, when that same extension will link with Vacheslav Havel Airport and bring people into the city. Today, taxis and buses are your best bet of getting to the airport, a drive that can take up to 20 minutes from the city center. But a railway connection will open between 2014 and 2021 as a foretaste of what's coming. There's even talk of a new line, already dubbed the D, or Blue Line. It would use part of the C Line before branching off to the south to serve the southwest of the city. Work is expected to start on this new line in 2015. I will let you know if it actually starts. After all, the city I was living in previously claimed they would start a new subway line on 2nd Avenue all the way back in the 1920s. There have even been dreams of a circular system linking all four lines together while ringing the city center, optimistically dubbed Line E, or Purple Line, but it seems to be considered a pipe dream by most proggers. Even conservative estimates are looking at the year 2050 before that project starts. Well, I admit this isn't the most glamorous topic I'll be covering on Brad the Nomad, but I've really been taken by the Prague Metro and wanted to share some of my experiences with it. It's clean, fast, efficient, dependable, and best of all, not hopelessly overcrowded and demanding a 12% fare hike every two years. Yet, anyway. Join me next time for a more terrestrial, intellectually stimulating slice of Europe. In fact, we'll be leaving Prague altogether and heading south to Imperial Vienna. Until then, happy travels.